Our scripture reading this morning is from 1 Corinthians 4, verses 1 through 17. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. Without us you have become kings. And would that you did reign so that we might share the rule with you. For I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we in disrepute. To the present hour, we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless. And we labor, working with our own hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. That is why I sent you, Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. Amen. May the Lord bless the reading of his word this morning. That's a lot of verses to read at the beginning of a message, but on the other hand, that is more scripture than some people will hear all week long. I feel very strongly about the reading of the scripture in our worship services. Not only do I want to preach from the Word of God, I want to be sure that the Word of God is read in our presence. Remember that the church at Corinth was a divided church. There were divisions in the church, there were factions, there were cliques in the church, and the time has come. Uh, I, I love the message that Aaron brought last week, talking about the pride 
the purpose and the plan, that there has to be some agreement on uh, getting rid of the pride, understanding our purpose, and agreeing on the plan for the church. We come to the point now that Paul is ready. He's dealt with the personalities. Remember, any time in church that it becomes about personalities rather than about the person, Jesus Christ, the church is in trouble. And he says now, now it's time to move on. Let's move on. I think that this is also uh, an example. This is good advice for Christians in turbulent times. This was good advice for a church in a turbulent time. But it's also good advice for us in the season of COVID. Um, I, after ser the sermon last week, I called Shelly this week. You didn't know I was going to tell you about this. I called Shelly on Thursday evening. I mean, we're supposed to close the office and be off on Friday. And I scold her. She scolds me when we work after hours on Thursday. But I called her. She answered. And I said, 2020. And immediately she said, don't cuss me. <laughs> I mean, you were listening last week, right? We live in turbulent times, and the book of 1 Corinthians is a great textbook for Christians, for church members living in turbulent times. Paul said we're dealing with this, and it's time to move on. Let's move on. And his example and his admonition of how to do that, first of all, is to recognize that life is a stewardship, so be faithful. Life is a stewardship, so be faithful. It says in the verses, this is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Those two words that I've underlined are important. A servant is one who serves someone else, is under the submission of, of someone else who's not in charge but represents and pleases the master. I continually tell people, people complain and I say, I'm in sales and not management. Understand? I'm in sales and not management. I am to be a servant of Christ. By the way, I serve this church, but first and foremost, I am a servant of Jesus Christ who called me, who gave me this ministry. I am His servant. We are also stewards. A steward is a manager. And understand, a manager is someone who takes care of other people's things but does not necessarily have anything himself. The things he manages belong to someone else. Understand that life is a stewardship. Everything you have, everything I have, came from the hand of God, and it is His. And we are to be faithful. That's the key word then, that we would be found faithful as stewards 
of the life that God has given us. Understand, that term faithful, under, combined with the word steward, means that there is a responsibility, and where there is responsibility, there is accountability. God has given you a life. God has given you time. God has given you abilities, and you are responsible. I am responsible to be a good manager of the things that God has put in my care for me to watch over as a manager for Him, as a steward. Larry, where there's responsibility, there's also accountability. I called on Larry, he's an accountant. Accountability. Accountability. You know what that means? That means the day is coming when we will stand before Jesus Christ and we will give account of this life we've lived on what we've done and how we've lived it. If you think that when you stand before Jesus, He's going to say, never mind 2020. You get a pass for 2020. You are badly mistaken. The time that we show our greatest faith is in the time of great challenge and great difficulty. And someday, every one of us, whether you're here or on the live stream, every one of us are going to give account to God for how we dealt with COVID and what we did in the year 2020. There's no pass. There's no exception. We are to be found as faithful stewards of Jesus Christ. He not only talks about the term faithful as servants and stewards, but he talks about the word judgment, being judged. Paul has actually been under attack from the church at Corinth, and he's getting just a little bit defensive at this point, and with good reason. He's been compared with other servants, and in the sermon last week, when Aaron was talking about, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Christ. And he asked the question, who is? And he says, we're all big zeros. All of us. I'm a zero, you're a zero, and Jesus is everything. Be careful about judging and be careful about criticizing. With me, it's a very small thing that... I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I'm not aware of anything against myself, but I am not, I am not thereby acquitted. The fact that I don't know anything against myself doesn't mean I'm necessarily guiltless. It is the Lord who judges me. Now understand, I said that we are servants of Jesus Christ. It's not about personalities. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Him. If we understand that, and we understand you're a servant of Jesus Christ, and I'm a servant of Jesus Christ, as fellow servants, we're all zeros, and He is everything. What right 
do we have to judge one another? He says, it's, I don't count as anything that you're judging me, that you're criticizing me. Oh, listen, that is a, a subject that every church needs to grasp. Judging, criticism is judgment. I have to answer to Jesus Christ. You have to answer to Jesus Christ. I need to be very careful about ever criticizing you, and you need to be very careful about ever criticizing me. Our accountability is not in any human court. Oh, listen, the human court may seem difficult and scary, but think about standing in Jesus' court and giving account to Him. I mentioned in my study group in the Barnabas class this morning that I don't like talking about approval addiction because it hits too close to home. I, I enjoy probably too much you saying that you missed me. I enjoy probably too much you saying that you enjoy my preaching. I struggle, some of you do too if you'll be honest, with approval addiction. But the truth is, I need to work and I need to play to an audience of one. Jesus Christ, He is the one that I have to please. He is the one that you will be accountable to. I won't be your judge in that day. It's just Jesus. Not you, and not even me myself. I'm, I need to be careful about approving or disapproving of what I do. My wife will tell you that I am my own worst critic. Absolutely. And I need to be careful about that. I need to make sure that what I'm doing is not just by my judgment and my approval, but I am striving for the approval of Jesus Christ, that He would say one day, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Not only is it not you, it's Jesus. And it's not me, it's Jesus. We need to be careful about judging before the time. This is not the time to be critical. This is not the time to judge. It's at the end of the game. Okay. I wish I'd turned the game off yesterday at halftime. I said that this morning and some smart aleck, Larry, was that you said? <laughs> Wasn't you? Some, some smart aleck in class said, there's four quarters. It was Roger who said, but there's four quarters in the game. I don't want to hear that. You know what? It's not over. I started to say till the fat lady sings. But that's a different illustration. It's not over till it's over. We need to be careful about judging now because we don't know how to judge. We don't have the right standards. We don't have the right to judge. We don't have the right to criticize. Jesus is the one we have to please, and it is to Him that we are accountable. And that judgment day is coming. It's not now. 
But that judgment day is coming. And what will you say to Jesus when you stand before Him in judgment? Listen, one of the things that has bothered me greatly during all of this COVID stuff is that people keep saying, well, what will people think about the church? If we do this or we do that, what will people think and say about the church? Listen, I don't care. I care what Jesus says about the church because I have to answer to Him. I don't care what your doctor says. I don't care what our neighbor says. And I don't care what the government says. I've got to stand before God. And what has God told me to do? Look in the book and read the instructions and realize we will stand before Jesus Christ and answer whether we did what's in His book or not. That's the judgment that we need to fear. That's the voice that we need to be ready to answer when we stand before Jesus. What will Jesus say to us on Judgment Day? Not just about this quarter of our life, this game, but about the full game played to the very end. What will Jesus say on Judgment Day? We need to be faithful stewards and servants of Jesus Christ. Life is a stewardship. Be faithful. And then, the other advice He has for us in our times, our turbulent times, is understand life is a gift, so be humble. Life is a gift, so be humble. Now, Larry did a great job of reading all of those verses and I, I'm not going to read all of them again, but I will say to you that Paul asked three rhetorical questions in order to rid them of their pride. Now, you know what a rhetorical question is. It's not one that you have to think about the answer. The answer is apparent within the question. The, ans the, the question is the answer. It's just asked to get you to recognize the truth that's contained. Notice he says, Dear brothers and sisters, I've used Apollos and myself to illustrate what I've been saying. If you pay attention to what I've quoted from the Scripture, you won't be proud of one of your leaders at the expense of another. See, that's, that had been the problem in the church. They were bragging on one leader and running another leader down, and it was all out of pride. But here are the questions. Number one, what gives you the right to make such a judgment? Who do you think you are? Are you the one to whom Apollos is to answer? Are you the one to whom I must answer? What gives you the right to make such a judgment. It's pride. Listen, criticism and conflict always come from pride. Then the second question, what do you have that God hasn't given you? What do you have that God hasn't given you? We need to be careful about thinking that we've earned what we've got. 
We need to be careful about claiming our rights. That's, that is the reason for so much of the conflict that's going on today. I'm white, and therefore I deserve. I'm black, therefore I deserve. I'm a Republican, and therefore I deserve. I'm a Democrat, and therefore I deserve. I deserve, I deserve, I deserve. I'm poor, and therefore I deserve. I'm rich, and therefore I deserve. It's time to realize that everything you have, everything I have, comes from the hand of a gracious God. It's time for us to give up our rights and bow down before the Master. He's the only one who deserves what we're claiming. We are servants and we are stewards. What do you have that you got yourself, that you earned yourself? Listen, every bit of it came from the hand of God. The third question, if, if everything was handed to you, then why do you boast as if it were not a gift? Talk about ingratitude. Claiming that we've done it. I, 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 I deserve. I should be able to do this. It's a gift. I praise God. Brenda was listening this morning to David Jeremiah. He was talking about gratitude. And he said, instead of complaining about the dish full of dirty dishes, praise God that you had food to put on those plates. Instead of complaining about the pile of dirty laundry, don't you laugh at me, Catherine. <laughs> Instead of complaining about the pile of dirty laundry, be glad that you have clothes to wear. Instead of complaining about having to mow the grass, be grateful you've got that little plot of ground that you can enjoy and upon which the kids can play. We need to look at life with an attitude of gratitude instead of boasting about what we've done and complaining about the things that we've been given. Listen, life is a gift. and We have nothing to be proud about. Then he not only talks about, he not only uses three rhetorical questions, then he goes into, these are the verses, I'm not going to read all of it. He goes into this sarcastic comparison that basically says, who do you think you are? And he compares them and he says, you're rich. And we, the servants of Christ, the apostles, we're poor. You're kings and you reign. We're prisoners. Do you catch the sarcasm? Do, are you really as great as you think you are? You're wise. We are fools for Christ's sake. You're strong. We are weak. You're honored. We are despised. That's verses 8 through 10. You don't believe it's there? Read it. Check it out again. And what he's saying is, we need to quit clamoring for what we deserve and claiming that we're something special and something big. 
And we need to realize we're servants, we're stewards, and we will one day answer to God. Quit judging one another, quit treating one another with pride, and let's move on. Then, life as an adventure, so be courageous. I like this. He continues, follows up with that comparison by saying, To the present hour, we're hungry and thirsty, poorly clothed, clothed, brutally treated, and without a roof over our heads. So what do we do? We're poor. We have these needs. What do we do? We do hard work. Well, that's a dirty word. Did you ever notice that work is a four-letter word? Uh, none of you are old enough to remember Maynard G. Krebs, right? Anybody willing to admit? Uh, you're not that old, Chris. How do you know Maynard G. Krebs? Work! Every time the word work was said, he would react with work, work. Work is a four-letter word to some people. Work is honorable. Understand, work is what makes the nation work. Work is what makes the wheels turn. Work creates wealth. Understand, socialism is not shared wealth. Socialism is shared poverty. Capitalism is work that creates income, and that income raises all ships. I read in my scripture reading this morning about Solomon, and it says that in Solomon's day, that silver was considered worthless. Oh, listen, not just to Solomon, to everyone in Jerusalem. Do you understand what that's saying? That gold and ivory and, and expensive wood became so prevalent in the nation that even the poor people in the city of Jerusalem considered silver as worthless. Wealth created raises all ships, and it comes from hard work. Work is honorable. Toiling with your own hands. If you're hungry, go to work. When we're verbally abused, we respond with a blessing. When persecuted, we endure. When people lie about us, we answer, the, the term is graciously, we answer in a friendly manner. Nevertheless, we are the world's dirt and scum even now. People look down on us, but this is how we respond. Understand, life is an adventure. God did not promise us an easy life. I don't know why people get that idea. It breaks my heart to see how many divorces were caused because somebody said, God wants me happy and I can only be happy with her instead of her. God wants me to be happy. We had in Australia a, a, a young preacher who moved in with a woman, living together, not in marriage, 
He was already divorced, moved in with someone, and his answer when we talked with him about it is, well, God wants me to be happy. God wants you to be right. God wants you to be faithful. There is nothing that says God wants you to do anything you want to as long as it makes you happy. God never promised us an easy life. Life is an adventure. If you can't say that after living through three quarters of COVID, then where have you been? This is an adventure. I've got a quote if you can see the small print on the on the screen, Peter Pan in the movie Hook had originally said, death is an adventure. He concluded later, life is a wonderful adventure. Life is an adventure, folks. And this is an adventure that we're going through. Let's live it to the fullest. Let's be courageous. Let's walk by faith and not by fear. Because life is an adventure and we need to be courageous in our faith in God. Then finally, life is a school. Be teachable. Life is a stewardship. Be faithful. Life is a gift. Be humble. Life is an adventure. Be courageous. And life is a school. Be teachable. He said, I'm not writing these things to shame you, but to correct you. Are we correctable? Is the pastor allowed to correct using the Word of God? Are our mentors allowed to correct us when they see us going the wrong way? I didn't write this. I didn't say this to shame you, but to correct you. As my dear children, though, though you may have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. I encourage you then to be imitators of me. This is the responsibility of every pastor, of every teacher, to set an example for those who are looking at us and those who are listening to us to follow. Be imitators of me. For this reason, I've sent Timothy to you who is my dear and faithful son in the Lord. He will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. Listen, life is an adventure, but it's also a school. We're supposed to learn from this. It'd be terrible to go through this journey and not learn something from it. Don't waste the journey. Don't waste your life Come out of it with the same misconceptions and the same wrong ideas and wrong attitudes with which you entered this journey. Learn from it. And don't ignore God's messengers. He has put your Pauls and your Timothys in your life to correct you, to instruct you, and to set an example for you. I want you to think about this this morning. I believe that the things that I've shared with you are very practical. Very practical. My question is, what are you going to do with them? If that is practical preaching, I believe that practical preaching requires a practical invitation. 
Zach, Jacob, you're in training. You hear that? Practical preaching requires a practical invitation. So I have to ask you, have you been judgmental? Have you been critical? I'm, I'm not accusing anyone. I'm just asking you. Have you been critical? Have you been judgmental? Dumbest question I've been asked in years was asked here when someone said, well, what do we have to repent of? There's always something. Always, always, always. What do you need to repent about? Have you been judgmental? Have you misused the life that God has given you? Have you been proud? Have you been arrogant? Repent. Repent before God. Have you been unteachable, unapproachable, unchangeable? Repent. Repent.